Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome to Parsha's Toldos. We're going to talk about some ideas from the Groh. A very interesting one for today uh, that is not usually what I talk about. Zoology is not my specialty, but I think you'll find this interesting. So we have Parak Chavhei Pasach Chavzayin. The Groh takes this Pasach out of a literal, uh, simple translation of Rashi and says something very interesting. Vayigluhan Aram, the children referring to Yaakov and Esav grew up. Vayi Esav. And Esav emerged. He was Ish Yodeya Tzayed, a man who knew how to trap Ish Sadeh, the man of the field. So <clears throat> that's a simple reading. The Gra says that we know that there's a creature that the Mesechus Kalayim, Parachas Pasuk Hay, talks about, and it's called the Adne Hasadeh. That's what it's called. And it is an animal of some sort. The Mishnah has a machogus, whether it's Matame. Uh, according to one opinion, it's considered a Chaya. It's a wild animal. According to other animals, it's considered Adam. Uh, Matame ke Adam, it's Matame like a person. So the Gra brings down, and the Mepharshim, the Rav, and other ones explain that this is the Yadoni. This is used for <clears throat> necromancy, and there's the Torah says we're not allowed to do oven yadoni. So the word yadoni comes from the word yadia, according to many Rishonim, that it's knowledge. It's it's kind of like a oracle where a person, according to the Rav, takes this bone from the yadoni, which according to some is a bird, according to others is this from this animal. That's that's what many Mepharshim explain, and he's able to tell the future through necromancy or pull up the dead and. Uh, have different, and this is considered an usher thing. And the Rav explains that it looks like a man, and in its face, and its hands, and its feet, and there is there are some mafarshim that say that its belly button uh, has a rope which is connected to the ground coming from it, and you're not, no one could go near it because it'll just kill you, um, and it grabs and rips everything apart. However, um, if you want to trap it, then you could shoot a arrow and cut off that. Um, rope that's attaching it to the ground, it will scream and will die immediately. And so says the Grah, that's what's being hinted to in this Pasuk. Because Esav was the one person who knew how to trap this thing alive without killing it. And that's what he reads the Pasuk as, he Esav, ish ish sada. He knew how to capture this Adne Hasada, this creature in the land. So that's what it says. Now there's another Grah in, in, in Shemos that talks about Makas Orov, that the Pasuk says that the animals came which seems to be, and their land which are which were upon them. So some Rishonim explained that when the animals came for Arov and wild beasts, so Hashem wanted them to be very comfortable because they could do more damage in their own climate. So each one came with their own climate, so they would be more comfortable and would be more damaging to the Egyptians. But the Groh says that it's a, it's a remez to this animal because he couldn't pull himself out of the ground, and therefore he needed to come. He had to bring his kind of like a flower pot with the, some of the ground with him because that's what he nourishes from. That's what the grass is over there. So what, what's the shot in this animal? What's the shot? What's the girl even trying to say? So I, I, when I think about this, I think that there's something very unique about this animal, which we don't really know what it is. And I'll talk about a little zoological insights in a sec, but basically, you know, from, from waist up, it's a man. And from waist down, it seems to be some type of animal. And I think this is just very interesting because the Gamoran Snehedrin talks about that the theologians thought that, you know, man had two gods, an upper god and a, and a, and a lower god. And again, it, it split at the, at the waist because the guy in the Gra explains in his parish on Mishle, and there's a lot of ex- uh, beautiful explanations on this in Ravarin Feldman's Safer, the juggler and the king, 
uh, where this concept is extrapolated upon, that basically they had Hormuz and Ahormuz. Um, they couldn't understand how could there be man who has this intellectual and greatness in him, his upper part, but then his lower part is just so base and so human and so faulty. So the way they explained it was that man has good and bad inside him. He has good, the intellect, and he has bad, which is desires. But the way that the Jews disproved it was they said, well, if that's true, then why does he let you eat? Why does he let food pass through his upper body into his lower body? Now, they didn't have an answer. Now, if you think about it, they could have said, well, because he has to live. But the spiritual world doesn't care about that. But of course it does in Jewish in Jewish theology. But that's exactly what they don't understand, that our life is meant to be elevated for God. And so therefore, there's really a unification. It's not two gods. It's not two matters. There's the chirat that we have. And there is a pull for negative, And there's a there's a pull to do what's right. And we have to listen to that good part. And so what's being said here is that um, Esav, instead of looking at that animal, so to speak, and, and conquering it in a healthy way, in a way to recognize that what is man's purpose, man's purpose is to kill that item that is uh, destroying and trying to, and thinking that its nourishment only comes from the ground. Uh, instead, Esav kept that alive. And that's what Esav was interested in. And that's why it gets primary focus during in, in, uh, the Pesach story as well. Because the, the lesson behind Yitzhak Mitzrayim is that the Rebbe runs the world. And the Egyptians acted like animals, and they believed that they were connected to the ground. And so this animal exacted punishment against them. So let me just say, you know, there's definitely what to think about in that. But let me just share a couple of things. So um, the Sefer Aruch says that this is an animal which looks like a person, and that's all he says. And this idea of it being connected to the ground is actually not found in a lot of Sfarim, and we'll get to that in a second. The Rambam in his Pirish Mishnah says that um, it's just, it's a... The Rambam says that it is an El Nanas animal in Arabic. Um, I tried looking this up, and you could take a look at Pirish Mishnah and Kalayim. Um, I, I believe that he might be saying the same thing as what I'm about to quote from the Tferis Yisrael, who lived much after him, obviously, in the seventh, eight, late 1700s, early 1800s. Uh, the Tferis Yisrael suggests that it's actually an orangutan. Um, this idea of it being attached to the ground, which the Rav made famous and the Rosh Cirillo in Yerushalmi made famous, it doesn't, it's actually not really found in Chazal. Um, so this whole vart from the Gra is very interesting. Um, it very well could be that it's an orangutan, which... Uh, they're not usually that big. They usually weigh somewhere in the 100-pound uh, range, sometimes a little bigger, but they are very beastly, literally. Uh, there's a lot of Rishonim that bring down from different Mamari Chazal that it seems to be that they talk like humans, uh, but they're not understood, which would definitely sound like a monkey, uh, animal, or in this case an orangutan, which is a specific type. And it very well could be that the word that the Rambam brings down in Arabic, actually, I looked it up, and it looks a little bit similar to some words that mean monkey in Arabic, so there's uh, some crossbreed, but... It would explain a lot. They're beastly. They look like man, um, and they're dangerous, and they tear their predators. They're very strong So uh, when they feel attacked. This idea that it was attached to the ground was something that came in later. Uh, there's actually a very fascinating Kuntris written on this entire topic called Kuntris Adne Hasadeh, uh, very appropriately. And Rechani Kanievsky gave a haskama to it, and he writes that it's a big covet shemayim because we're spending so much time talking about this. And one fascinating thing that I saw there, which is very interesting, is that the Arizal explains that just like the... Uh, the Kuzari explained a very big principle that there's uh, four different types. There's a domain, so mea, chai, and medaber. There's uh, rock and plant and live, which is animal, um, and then humans. And um, the Kuzari explains there's also Yisrael, which is a different level, which we'll save for a different time. Um, 
the Arizal says that there's one level in between each thing that is sort of there's there's an item in between each one. There's something that's sort of a rock, but sort sort of vegetation. There's something that's sort of vegetation and sort of animal. This is it. This is the this is the item. So there's something very esoteric about this item that this Adne has said a thing, whatever it means. There is some nourishment according to Rizal and according to many Rishonim. So it needs to be understood. But this is the beauty of it is like like Rukhan Kaneski writes that this is a covered Torah to see that this one little item of Adne Asada could have so much discussion. And in that Kuntras, he has Shalazachuas from Rev Zundel Kreis and Rev Chaim Kanievsky. And he has all these questions about how did Adam name this thing? Did Adam have to go to it if it was attached to the ground? And all these different Mepharshim that explain that maybe it has a 50 uh, Ama uh, range. And the, the simple understanding, if it is an orangutan, is just that people never were able to get close enough to it to tame it. And so they were always scared of it because it was so dam- damaging. Either way, this is when we read the Torah... This is a very fascinating concept, and uh, I would definitely love to hear your ideas about why this ties into uh, Asav. Maybe he was also an Ishsadeh to some degree and connected, as I was suggesting. Moving on to Parachavzai and Pasuk Tess. So Rivka has a uh, plan. She wants to make sure that her son Yaakov gets the brachos. So she tells him, go to the flock and take two goats that are good. And the Gemara says, what does it mean? Shtegadiyizim tovim. Gamar, the uh, bracious Rabba, the Medrash says, Tovim means, Tovim Lecha, because you're going to steal the brachos through them. It's good for you. Tovim Banecha, and it's going to be good for your descendants because there's going to be a kapara. What's up, shot? A kapara for Yom Kippur. What does that mean? So the Gra explains that the goats that were brought on Yom Kippur, one of them was Machaper, Kla Yisrael, that was the Hashem, and the other one was Lephias, the Sutton, Kiyadua, the um, Azazel was to be Mephias, the Sutton. And so too with what Yaakov brought. One was in order to be able to steal the brachos. And the second one was to stop the Sutton from eating Katrig. And um, the Gros says that this is Yadua and Dai Lahavin. But what I believe that he's saying is that Esav was that Sutton. Esav was trying to stop Yaakov from being a productive person and from being a successful person. And that's exactly what Yaakov was coming to fight against. The two forces of power were battling it out on a microcosmic level. And it became a national battle that on Yom Kippur, Rebbe Shalom is is completing the judgment of Rosh Hashanah to keep the world going and to keep us going. And there's this epic battle that's going on that Esau is saying, be an Olam Hazadik person, only focus on physicality. And Yaakov is fighting back and saying, no, there's a spiritual world and there's a God and we need to find Hashem. And that was the battle that was going on there. And that was a battle that continues throughout the generations where we have to choose between physicality and spirituality. Let us be Zoha that we should successfully win the battle. And every day there's a battle, and every moment there's a battle, to be able to elevate ourselves and to send away the Sutton, give him whatever bribes he needs. We talked about in the past, Mashcheilu Beis Medrash means use your creativity for Torah and be able to connect to Hashem every single day. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.